Welcome to No Go Area Podcast with your hosts, Spence and Phil. And welcome to episode two, season two of No Go Area Podcast. Hi, Phil. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad. Not too bad, Spence. How about you? <laughs> I'm not too bad either. And uh, that's that's uh, a great British thing, that is, isn't it? Saying, I'm not too bad. Uh, yeah. No, nobody ever says, oh, mate, I've never been better. Have I? <laughs> Well, I think in your case, you you haven't been well because you uh, you tested positive for something. I did. I tested positive for the uh, COVID word. Oh, that didn't work. Uh, there we are. The C uh, word. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, the yeah. C word. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. And it happened at the worst. Well, the timing of it was absolutely terrible. Because what? Why? Awful. So. I was at home enjoying my lovely Saturday evening off, uh, yeah. no gigs, and I get a nice uh, message asking me to sort of dep or fill in on base at very short notice. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So I palm thought, oh, I fancy palm tree yeah. antics. Palm tree That's antics. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I, I fancy a gig and yeah, money's money, pay the bills. Yeah. So I started learning the set and everything, and I thought, oh, you know, take a test before you come, uh, blah, blah, blah done all that i just sat on the side in the studio while i was uh learning the le- pretty good set list actually i'm quite a big fan of uh, 10cc now uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bit of white boy um, guy. nice yeah it was quite good it was quite good um and it the the two lines come up and i tested positive <sighs> okay well i passed that gig on to you fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe I uh, passed the COVID on to you as well, and somehow, Mad, somehow, yeah. <laughs> bear in mind, I haven't had it, but no, no uh, they, I had a I had a message come through saying, um, "Hey, fancy dapping for us tonight uh, on base?" And I'm like, "That's a fucking tall order," because uh, I don't know what your set is, and um, Technically, I'm a guitarist these days, and yeah. thirdly, I'll be on my way to Gloucester shortly to play uh, with my own band. So, That's right. So I had to pass on to you. Yeah, thank you for that, by the way. Um, and yes, uh, and now you've joined. Sadly, the... I couldn't do it. <laughs> no, but you've you've joined the branch Covidians. So yeah. So immediately after I'd done the test and it come back um, that I was positive, I immediately felt ill uh, and tired. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that's my amazing. mind playing tricks on me. Yeah, I did yeah. feel tired though. Um, that's the only sort of symptom that I had um, was that I felt really tired. Yeah, um, yeah it's a shame. It really is a shame. Um, and then I'm all clear now. Yeah. So, who knows? Oh, so, magic uh, in it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is magic in it. Yeah. What? What if? I mean, what if that had been a false positive? I mean, did you do a PCR test after or not? Yeah. Better? Yeah, you no, did. I did that. Um, that arrived the day uh, on a Sunday, brought oh. by the illustrious Royal Mail, as usual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was that was positive as well. So. Oh, today. Yeah. No, oh. on Sunday. Oh, on Sunday. Sunday, oh. yeah. yeah. Oh, right, okay, so. all right. Oh well, you must have had it then. Yeah. Well. Oh, I must have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Who knows? You, 
perhaps you were asymptomatic right up until the point uh, it said you were positive. <laughs> and then all, all, all your symptoms came flooding out. I'm not saying they put COVID in the test, but who knows? Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a nice theory that I sort of looked oh, at. I like that um, conspiracy <laughs> theory. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Man. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah, yeah people I, have I, opened letters with anthrax in them before. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I, you know, here's a funny thing, right? Because I have said to some people, I, I just wonder if they have a database um, of all the people who haven't had COVID, and oh. should you, um, you know, send off for the PCR test or something that you're almost certainly going to come back as testing positive just to keep oh, the numbers shit. up. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, Except I like it, that. Uh, in, in, in the only other other case where I followed this closely to see if my um, theory was correct, um, the test came back negative. So, oh, but then... Well, they, they, knew, well, they, yeah. they knew, see, they knew. They knew. They had they intelligence. Knew. Yeah. They, knew, they knew you were doing a podcast. Well, you might question this uh, whole thing, you know. So they always keep finding where get a stone, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what I have noticed, right? And this is, is, is in a hundred percent of cases, if you don't test, you won't get COVID. Oh, can't be throwing numbers like other people. That's nope. going to cause a frenzy, mate. That's well, going to cause a frenzy. <laughs> I know. I know. I know I'll probably be assassinated for putting that one out there, but it's a fact. Via PCR test, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Bit of yeah. novice shock. So, so what, I mean, presumably that costs you a shitload of money then, not being able to work or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, luckily, a lot of my teaching work is still online, which is nice. So I don't have people come into the studio or me. I don't go out to people anyway. I'm above that. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. I don't, uh, don't blame me for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't be going around to the common people's houses. Oh, no, no. No. Um, but no, so a lot of my work was online anyway. Um, but the money I lost from that show, and I did lose out on one session, actually, earlier in the oh. week, which was a shame. Yeah. But I yeah. did make up for it with some more online sessions, uh, which was quite nice. But oh, unfortunately, that, that, Mac hasn't improved um, very much. The COVID's fine. But Mac has been playing up again um, all of this week. But today it's got to a certain point where uh, it's probably the worst it's ever been. <laughs> there, there are some people out there who uh, believe that a lot of back pain is all in the mind, and mm. uh, and that not in a, they're not saying, uh, "Listen, dickhead, is fuck all wrong with you." They're they're saying. It's in a lot of it's in your mind, and that uh, by following a certain mindset, I don't know whether it's you know um, kind of a yoga thing or whatever, you can yeah. actually get rid of that pain. Um, I, I would challenge that in your case and say, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the mind moving shrapnel around my spine, but I can I can understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, so I've been in constant talks with the NHS today, and I sort of not got anywhere. Um, this so is I a require, It is. I require an injection um, oh. immediately. Uh, right. I needed one this morning. Um, and the out-of-hours or the on-call doctor 
um, is going to get round to me by Sunday. So but that's good stuff. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. But it but it's a Welsh thing, isn't it, to say I've been in constant talks when <laughs> you probably haven't been. <laughs> no. No, I haven't. No, I've been on the phone about four times with them. <laughs> uh, constant, constant talks would have yielded a result by now. I'm sure. You know, it might not have been the injection you were looking for, but uh, you'd have certainly had some something. Uh, I think I should become a politician. Speaking like that, I think I do absolutely. quite well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you have to learn how to deny everything. I think that's that's important. Never, yeah. never. I'll never be doing that. That's no. one thing I can guarantee that myself I will never be doing. <laughs> uh, but, if, you know, if you want to be part of the gang, and it is a gang, right, you have to be able to uh, skirt around any question and uh, preferably lie like fuck. <laughs> yeah. But never, ever give the answer to the question. That's how no. British politics seems to be working these days. Yes, and I think it's been doing it for a while. I love sort of watching little interviews and just seeing the ingenious ways that these politicians try and skirt around without actually answering anything. It's great. It's getting better and better. I mean, even even when an interviewer says to them, this is a straight yes-no question, they will not say yes or no. No. No, they really won't. Incredible. (laughs) So... Now, it's been a busy week, of course, for um, our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. And uh, he had to issue an apology in Parliament, um, or at least make a statement about the party gate situation. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I saw parts. Um, I find it quite incredulous. that this is sort of happening to our government and well to the prime minister in general um, in this day and age, really. That that sort of goes and sort of you sort of understand that, but yeah, it's getting a bit sort of ridiculous at the moment. Uh, I think I think the the problem is that the government and a lot of a lot of MPs have always considered themselves to be above everybody else in the country and this kind of behavior of having parties and boozy sessions um it's 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 been there ever since day one and regardless of any rules or laws that may have been broken uh the big thing (laughs) is that um it's become much more public now that people didn't know about it before or care about it no, exactly. There's sort of more ways of sort of the information getting out there to, say, journalists and media outlets and, you know, with the sort of, you know, bombing people and people using CCTV against people um, and whistleblowers in general as well. Yeah. So I watched the uh, whole two hour session and I was astonished by how many Tory MPs stood up and said it was time for him to go. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was it was bizarre. Uh, I mean, obviously, you expect opposition politicians to say, right, you know, it's time to go. Um, 
But he, he, Boris stood there for the full two hours, taking an enormous amount of flack. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, as I said, including from his own side. Um, the Scottish SMP minister, Ian Black, Blackford, sorry. Oh, yes. He, he did another stellar performance where yeah. uh, he actually ended up being ejected from the House of Commons because yeah. he, he wouldn't retract what he'd said about Johnson, i.e. that he's a bare-faced fucking liar. I um, wouldn't retract it either. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. It's, it's the most ridiculous um, system we got in Parliament where it's you... It's an archaic, useless system. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not allowed to say... You're not allowed to say, you lied, you are a liar, you willfully misled Parliament, etc. You know, uh, and these are things that are fucking important, for God's sake. If somebody <laughs> fucking lies to you and misleads the whole House of Commons, that is fucking important, more important than anything else. Well, look what happened when Tony Blair did that. Yeah. He started wars. Right, right. I just, I'm going to stop you there because technically that's not true. He didn't start it. He joined no. in. He jo- yeah, he right. joined in. Joined in with the party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was dead against it then and I'm dead against what happened now, you know, Yeah. Uh, with Tony Blair. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I, I don't think he should have ever been knighted. Oh, but, ridiculous. Yeah. But there, there we are. So... So, um, to be fair to Boris, and it's the only time I'm going to be fair to him, he took the flak for two hours solid. Yeah, yeah. That takes some courage, in a way. Um, I, I don't know if he had an obligation to be there. Uh, he, um, he did. He did have an yeah. obligation to be there. But, you know, he, he did get to the point where, in the end, he was saying, um, I'm... I'm not going to even uh, grace that question with an answer, which <laughs> which is amazing. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was what he should have said really from the first question because that's exactly what he did. He didn't grace yeah. any question with an answer. He just no. kept saying things like, "Oh, we'll have to wait for the police report." Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, that's going to be You get opposition MPs, you know, like uh, Keir Starmer. Ian Blackford saying, you know, here we are, we've got a prime minister of this country under police investigation and he won't resign. You know, it's a national disgrace. It's an international yeah. disgrace. Oh, we're a laughing stock all over the world. Yeah. And then Boris would say, uh, <laughs> Boris would say, well, 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 you'll just have to wait for the uh, uh, results of the police investigation. And he repeated that line for two hours solid. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not Incredible. They need to get the Sweeney onto it. That'll sort him out. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Sweeney, yeah. Or t- how about um, Touch of Frost? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I am a big fan of that show. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm a or big Columbo. fan. Or Columbo. Columbo would have had this sorted within 45 minutes, you know. Oh, and we would have known that he'd done it from the start. <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think we all knew that anyway. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, even even Scooby-Doo would have got this one sussed. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, I would have enjoyed the, a Scooby-Doo unmasking ceremony 
you know. <laughs> I'd have got away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky kids, you know. <laughs> anyway, oh, so now what a country, what a country. Oh yeah, but then again, no. Um, we get to this Wednesday, Prime Minister's Question Time, and nothing's been resolved. You know, we've got this the Sue no. report that's come out, which is, as you know, has come entirely redacted. You can't see yeah. anything in it, right? Which is, and that's all because of the police investigation, who essentially said uh, to Sue Gray, you, "You need to black some of that out," because yeah, and essentially. May, yeah it's ridiculous but i can understand to a certain extent that like it's just all very convenient it's it's convenient um a lot of it's because you know you've you know apparently the police didn't want anything in that report to interfere with their um investigation yeah right okay so mm-hmm. that just gives them a license to redact everything in it well, essentially, the report says to whom it may concern, redacted, all the best, Sue Gray. That's yeah, essentially yeah. what it comes yeah. down to. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, of course, um, one of the things that Boris had done was to start getting angry with Keir Starmer oh. and uh, did something that a lot of people in the country have been saying, which is completely and utterly untrue, which yeah. was that when Keir Starmer was um, a privy councillor, that it, he was the one who refused to prosecute Jimmy Savile, the notorious child sex offender. Yes. Right. Uh, that's been a bit of a roller coaster, um, sort of the aftermath of that as well, and the way that it's sort of been bouncing back. So Boris said that um, in the Commons, and then sort of doubled down on it the next day, the same as a few of his sort of the closer sort of supporters of the Conservative Party MPs, um, doubled down again and then sort of walked it back slowly <laughs> throughout the week. <laughs> well, you see, the thing is, it's, it's not true anyway. And no. he knows that, but then just about everything he says isn't true. Uh, you know, he yeah. he just makes up figures like he'll say, you know, we've got, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we've got a hundred thousand job vacancies in the country. You know, uh, that's how well our economy's doing, and everything. No, you've got a hundred thousand job vacancies. You know, for minimum wage, uh, twelve-hour shifts in a field picking cauliflowers that nobody wants to fucking do, right? And none of your migrants, uh, sort of economic migrants, are coming over anymore because of Brexit, right? Yeah. So that's why uh, you haven't created 100,000 jobs, no. right? <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, just about everything that he says in a closing statement, right? Because this is another peculiarity of the House of Commons. Once the leader of the opposition has asked his quota of questions yeah uh, after the last question the prime minister in his reply could basically say whatever he likes and they use yeah. it usually use it to make some kind of political statement about how well they're doing and how shit the opposition are and yeah boris just tells outrageous lies all the time 
and there's no right of reply for the yeah, the opposition, that's, that's uh, the leader the of the opposition, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, the pro- no, the problem is Boris making shit up. Uh, yeah, yes, but you see now because he didn't um, apologise to Keir Starmer for this slur about him yeah. being responsible for not prosecuting Jimmy Savile. Um, last night, Boris Johnson's, or yesterday in the daytime, his um, key head of policy, who's called uh, Manira Mirza, uh, yes. worked for him for 14 years now, like this woman, ever since okay. he was a mayoral <laughs> candidate. Well, she yeah. quit last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. And she wrote in her letter, I believe it was wrong for you to imply this week that Keir Starmer was personally responsible for allowing Jimmy Savile to escape justice. There was no fair or reasonable basis for that assertion. This was not the usual cut and thrust of politics. It was an inappropriate and partisan reference to a horrendous case of child sex abuse. You tried to clarify your position today, but despite my urging, you did not apologize for the misleading impression you gave. And then it goes on to say, I have served you for 14 years and it has been a privilege to do so. You have achieved many important things, both as prime minister and before that as mayor of London. You are a man of extraordinary abilities and a unique talent for connecting with people. You are a better man than many of your detractors will ever understand, which is why it is desperately sad that you let yourself down by making a scurrilous accusation against the leader of the opposition. Even now, I hope you find it in yourself to apologize for a grave error of judgment made under huge pressure. I appreciate that our political culture is not forgiving when people say sorry, but regardless, it is the right thing to do. It is not too late for you, but I'm sorry to say it is too late for me. Wow. Mm. Quite a letter. Yeah, (laughs) it absolutely is. And she was swiftly followed by three other resignations and another one today. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And do you know what the Tory party... Uh, you know, you know, they trot people out who, who, who look like they've just been woken up from a coma, right? They trot them out, yeah, to to make you know answer questions on on the TV or radio, and yeah, you know, basically they trotted out these people to say, oh well, uh, it, 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 this this was all part of the the long term plan that we were going to, uh, you know, clear out all the deadwood sort of thing and start afresh, which is what. The people of this country want, and it's what Boris Johnson promised to do, and you know, it's more fucking lies. It's <laughs> rats, rats deserting a sinking fucking ship, right? Yeah, because the head of the ship is a barefaced fucking liar and a liability. You know? And they've all got scurvy. Yes, indeed, <laughs> they really indeed. have. It's like a disease. Yeah. It is like a disease. Well, it, it is a disease. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's oh, fucking unbelievable what's going on. Oh, it's ridiculous. And it's day after day, something new pops up or something has changed or they've said something, retracted something, gone back on what they've said. It's just day after day. Yeah. And I can see it happening for a long time. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and then, of course, uh, 
they, they, they desperately, yeah, I mean, they must have think tanks of people who sit around saying, oh, we've really got to distract the British public from, you know, what the party gate and, oh, you know, what are we going to do? Um, somebody goes, um, Prince Andrew, should we say bum to somebody? Yeah, that'll do it, right? And then uh, things get a bit worse. And then, uh, oh, um, what what should we do? Oh, let's um, let's go to war against Russia. Yeah, oh. that'll distract them. Yeah, it will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. look, I don't, I don't think I'd be the only person to raise an eyebrow at that one and think, well, I'm sure the Russians are shitting themselves now. Oh, they must be in such a panic. I mean, the amount of damage we can do to Russia. Oh, I just, why, I I know why now, why it's happening, but just the situation, just, leave them alone. Just. Do do we need to to get a lot of, we need to get rid of a lot of the troops, apparently. Um, well, that's a bloody good way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it k- kills two birds with one stone, really, because you haven't got to keep paying a, you know, into a pension scheme um, or paying the soldiers. Uh, you know, um, yeah. you. I mean, technically, you don't even have to bring their corpses back. You can bury them there and just get the, some locals to put up a cross. You oh, know. Christ. Uh, yeah, so it's a fantastic money-saving exercise, really, if you think about it. Yeah, um, that's come from the treasury. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably other than the Ministry of Defence. Yeah, God alive. I mean, look, I, I, I'm a bit confused about it though, because they show pictures of Russian vehicles that look a little bit tatty. Um, and they don't look yeah. terribly modern. No, and then and then they they say. Uh, tornadoes have intercepted and escorted, uh, you know, a Russian uh, uh, bomber. Oh, the bomber. Right. Twice. 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 Russian. And now they actually said Russian jet, right? I thought, "Mm, that's stretching a bit. It's definitely got propellers on it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. hmm, Could be a turbo jet, but... Yeah, possibly. Turbo prop, I think they call it, don't they? Turbo That's prop. it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the turbo jet submarine version. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, they're not they're not streaking across our skyline, are they? You no, know, they haven't even entered our airspace properly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They're just they're, having a look. They're probably, well, they might even be up there going, what? I'm not even fucking spying on you. I'm spying on France, you know? Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah. Wait for the French. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've always done it. And to be fair, we've done it to them. Of course we have. Uh, yeah. And you see all these stories on like the online, like Daily Mail online and all that. And it's just outrage and outrage. How dare they, you know, how, and our brave RAF pilots, you know, being scrambled up to save Britain from this dangerous bomber that's probably got nothing on it anyway. And it's full of bloody two 19-year-old observers taking pictures. Uh, yeah, uh, that, I mean, I'm guessing it can't be much more than that, you know. Uh, no, those things, are, come on, those things are fucking obsolete. What did we used to have? Yeah. Um, Nimrod, was it? Oh Christ! Remember those? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they 
they were way more up to date than those Russian planes. I will sort of give Russia the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I think that they or but not them in particular, but sort of the media portrayal, like you said, with the sort of vehicles that are a bit tatty um, and, you know, then sort of rolling out these old bloody planes, um, I guess, bloody bringing out a bloody biplane. Um, but I think it's all sort of a bit bit of a show because I, I know and have sort of seen things from Russia that they are quite technologically advanced in warfare scenarios, um, especially with their new sort of ground-to-ground and ground-to-air missiles. Um, they are quite sort of, not at the cutting edge, um, but they, they're definitely getting there. Um, who knows what they're playing at, really? Um, perhaps they don't either. I, I don't think our government knows either. <laughs> now, some say that um, Putin is actually not the bad guy in all of this. Right. Right. Now, I, I know that's not going to sit well with some people. Probably not, no. No. Except that when, when Russia sort of like gave independence back to its satellite states, or the, you know, so the yeah. USSR uh, states were allowed to have their sort of independence back. It was, yeah. it was on the grounds that NATO did not allow them to join NATO. Okay. That's so right. those countries yeah. had to kind of be a no man's land, if you like, in terms of yeah. Yeah. whether it comes under the Soviet umbrella or, or NATO, right? Yeah, not, and not one and more inch. The plan from the start, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. So not one more inch. So, yeah. but what do we keep doing? We keep going. Hey, uh, Ukraine. Why well, just come under? Come here. Come on. Come on. Come and see cuddly NATO. Okay. I've got a nice new badge for your uniform. Here it says NATO yeah. on it. Yes. Have a little look at this. And do you know what? Um, <laughs> and we'll. Um, I tell you what we'll do. We'll. Um, which is sort of like edge towards, you know, a little bit closer, some missiles and yeah. some military stuff. And, you know, we'll we'll give you super fast broadband. Is that all right? You know, yeah. or something fucking pathetic <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, I can't uh, even get super fast broadband. <laughs> no, no, but it, Boris, it, Boris is going to make sure you have it, right? Oh, It's all part of leveling up. It's all part of leveling up. Oh, right, so, leveling yeah. up the Ukraine. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's probably going to be leveling it. I don't know about leveling it. Yeah. But, so, you know, Putin's saying, "Look, you're taking a piss, and I'm not going to allow you to do this. I'm not going to be a yeah. walkover or a pushover, whatever." No. Um, and and you have to look, you know, sort of historically from on this right because the way the west is putting it across is that russia are sort of trying to recapture these territories for their own sake for their own safety because you see they're russian or sort of russian speaking people they're they're russians really that's what putin is is accused of sort of saying you know they're, they're, they're the same people as us really and You've got to think to yourself, well, we're in, we're in history. Have I heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All those those people in the Sudetenland, they're, they're Germans, really. Yeah. It was, it was Austrians. Me and you. 
Yeah, and there's yeah. Austrians there, and uh, you know, I mean, let's be fair, the Poles, the Prussians, really, you know, come on. Yeah. Oh, and if they know. had the choice, they'd want to be Russian. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the thing was, you know, they realised the error of their ways now, and yes, you know, that's the, and, and that's the way the West is putting it across that the Russians essentially are doing what the Germans did in the last war. Yeah. Right. And and that if we don't do something about it, we'll be guilty of ignoring what the Germans did prior to the last war. Oh, uh, you right. see, when we oh, can't, okay. can't be seen to be appeasing Vladimir Putin. Well, no, that would make a laughing stock of our government if it that happened. Do, it would do, and, and, oh. and as you know, Boris Johnson believes he's Winston Churchill reincarnated. And therefore, oh, he, you know. yeah. <laughs> Can I just to break off from that um, sort of Winston Churchill? Did you see the GB News interview with Winston Churchill that they did? I did. And yeah. I, I just thought, <laughs> what the fuck? This guy. He wasn't even good. <laughs> no, he wasn't, was he? He wasn't. Oh. <laughs> it was just like somebody once said to him yeah stick them fucking glasses on lad you look like oh look at him he looks like winston churchill right and from then yeah. on he's been a winston churchill tribute act right? yeah doesn't sound like him doesn't have his mannerisms but looks yeah. a little bit like a caricature of winston yeah. churchill yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> it was terrible it was terrible and I love how he said that, you know, Boris Johnson is doing his best and all of that. And I, I, I just don't understand. That needs an episode on its own just it to does. break that interview down. It really does. It was just, uh. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know some people like to have that moment of fame, don't they? And I, oh, I, course, I, yeah. I certainly wouldn't want to stop anyone having their moment in the spotlight. Except that was a bit too much of a moment. It went on for far too long. And yeah. I should have just got him on and said, right, you're not really anything like him, are you? But thanks for coming in. Ta-da! There's your fee. There's why your bus fare home. Interview, why try and interview? Uh, I'm going to sit, put it nicely, uh, an actor portraying Winston Churchill as if he's there in the room now commenting on stuff that's happening now. <laughs> it, it was it was fucking bananas it's almost as if somebody uh they're going oh shit you know we keep repeating the same stories 24 hours a day with nothing new to say about them uh should we should we just oh, get shit. some it's the anniversary of his death i've yeah. got a plan yeah <laughs> look then, in the yellow pages <laughs> yeah it probably it probably uh looked on facebook for reviews you know of his oh yeah and and then found one by some batty old blinking cow who goes oh he's my favorite winston churchill impersonator five stars you won't get any better than that he's amazing <laughs> and, I, and i i mean in the same way that i see people on um facebook when like i saw something today um it might have been yesterday morning. A, a pub was asking for a ska band um, to play at their place. Right. And instantly, the same batty old cow 
that always does this, oh. recommended a, a fat duo called Monkey See, Monkey Do. Oh, no. Who basically jump up and down, bouncing their bellies up and down to a backing track. Uh, although one of them does strum along on a guitar and, and, and they both sort of sing and it's terrible. It's really terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's so I, bad. I've never seen form. I've never, I'm going to withhold judgment. Really? You haven't um, seen him? Yeah, I'm also, I'm also going to look him up now. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, a couple of guys go, you know what we ought to do, right? Cause we're big fat lads. We ought to form a duo, um, where we do a bit of bad manners and we stick our tongues out like bust a blood vessel, you know, and then maybe we can do a couple of more songs and they're just fucking horrendous. Right. You know, live, live review. Yeah. Live review. Go on. I can't wait to hear this. Are you going to read it out? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've turned it off now. That's enough. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. Dreadful. Dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So. Oh, there's a nice band that popped up in the uh, suggested on the site, though, called The Navarones. Oh, well, uh, yes. Oh. But, you know. That's... They look quality, they do. They look they quality. Do, yes. Yeah. All, always, uh, you know, a top, top lineup, you know. Oh, of course. You know, the special reserve bass players. So, oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> no. So what uh, are we going to do about Russia? What are well, we going to do? Well, well, are we going to invade Russia? Are we going to drop paratroopers into the Kremlin? I don't know. <laughs> no, you, you have to appear to be strong, you see. and Oh, you, right. And I, I, what Boris is trying to do, apart from distract everybody, is is lead the West, right? So right. not 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 be America's poodle, you know. Oh, right. Right. So it's it's um it's really bizarre. Uh, I but I did say I did say you know when we we had a little conversation about Brexit the one day, yeah. on a previous episode, and and I was banging on about how the European Union was doing everything they could to handicap British industry. So you couldn't make steel, you couldn't make battleships, tanks, rifles, because they know we have got a bit of a history of being a bit of a warmonger, right? Yes. (laughs) Right. So we're not in the EU anymore. And this is Boris's way of going, yeah, you see, we're saber rattlers again, everybody. See, we're, we're going to build the British Empire again, you know, and oh, that's you know. that's for me is the guy's attitude. Yeah, he knows nothing of the danger, nothing at all. Oh no, of course not. No. <laughs> I just I just think it's hilarious. What I'd love to see the Russians do, right, is surface in a submarine in in the Thames, oh, right. Fuck. And, and a lot of them get out on onto the uh, the deck of the sub and moon the Houses of Parliament. Right? That's what I'd love to see. And then maybe oh. we'd just stop this fucking nonsense. I'd open the Thames barrier for them. <laughs> <laughs> just let them in for a while. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I mate. Just... I... I mean, look, you've been uh, obviously, you know, on active service on the odd ship. and I've met a Russian as well. Oh, yeah. a few Russians. Yes. Very friendly people. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, obviously you've encountered some of their ships and stuff. Yeah. And did they look like tatty old rusty hulks? No. Hmm. But better than I was. Less rust on them. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the majority of plans of sort of ships, frigates, battleships, etc., they're all based off the same design these days, and they have been for maybe 50 years. Um, but their technology is on a par with ours and everyone else in the West to a certain extent. Uh, especially radar and well surface um, surface to air missiles from the ships are bloody awesome to be fair um, but no they they're a superpower um, allegedly same as all the other superpowers allegedly um, and they're as good as us and the, the sailors soldiers and airmen and women they're all as good as ours as well maybe even better in some circumstances um, when I met uh, Russian sailors, um, I won't go into it too much, um, but we came across each other, uh, and all nice and friendly, swapped a few bits and bobs over. Uh, we had some vodka, they had some beans and some beer. <laughs> it's great, great stuff. Yeah. Absolutely great stuff. Yeah. I, it's, I, sad. Uh... <laughs> it's sad the situation that everything's in with it. It's warmongering, like you said. Yeah. It's stupid. No, I was. Yeah, it is dangerous. It's really stupid. I I was watching um, uh, a news program the other night, and they 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 mentioned that the the Russian military budget is is minuscule compared to that of Europe. Oh. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. You know, when you go to war, right? All your budget becomes military budget. Yeah, you know. it switches. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the roads, we need more tanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 just a nonsense to even discuss it, because yeah. you know, peacetime military budget is not the same as wartime military budget. No. And no. it's gosh, yeah. fucking absurdity sense. of it. That's absolute common. Yeah. I, Jesus. <laughs> But um, I, I work with a guy from Lithuania, and right. uh, I only last week uh, it was the first time I'd had a chance to have a conversation with him. I was curious to know whose side Lithuania were on in the war, and he kind of couldn't give me a straight answer. Right, okay. And I suspect it's because they didn't really want to be on anybody's side, but it was sort of stuck in the middle and some people would have chosen the Russian side and some people would have chosen the German side and some people would have chosen nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, in the oh. same way that, you know, I, I, I uh, follow a, a Latvian group that go uh, recovering uh, human remains from the, the first and the second world war. Oh um, yeah. yeah. You know, some Latvians fought for the Germans and some fought for the Russians. But anyway, what this guy did tell me was that they don't like the Russians 
and they're forever thinking to themselves, any minute now, the Russians are going to come back and take over. Oh, right? Christ. So I was kind of itching to ask him what he thought of the Germans. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And I didn't ask him. He just told me. Oh. He said, I don't like the Germans. I said, why is that? He said, well, every German I've ever encountered has given me the impression that they still have it in them, the, the sort of Nazi thing, you know? And I said to him, I said, I said, you know, that's interesting because they are not taught their own history about, about you know, the Nazis or anything like that. They're not taught about no. it, you know, and, and obviously all Nazi things are banned. Yeah. And he said, oh, I don't know about that. He said, but I, you know, I got the impression that they do still have that in them, you know, they can't oh, let shit. it go. Well, I was I was curious to hear. I was, you know, I thought that was interesting. I mean, my own experience in Germany, which goes back a, a very long way, probably, um, oh, it's not far off, 40 years now. Um, certainly 38 years. Yeah. 38 years ago, um, in certain places, uh, uh, we were definitely not welcome. Uh, in an, okay. In, in a threatening way as well. You know, um, yeah, and um, in other places we were more than welcome. It was strange. I don't really understand, but uh, no. I mean, you know, I can I can remember going to a safari park. Um, we were a bit old for that, but we we went anyway. <laughs> and you know, in a similar way to to Longleat over here, uh, they they would have these little booths where you could buy. Uh, trinkets and stuff you know souvenirs right and there was this great big old frau working this particular souvenir booth and she sold us all flick knives oh (laughs) lovely yes and and she (laughs) she was really nice to us and demonstrated how to use these flick knives (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we all had one to, well, I say to go home with, we didn't get that far. Uh, oh, no. they were uh, They were taken off us, but uh, yeah. Oh. I think it was, uh, us, we, some idiot gave it away by demonstrating them on the on the bus on the way home. Yeah. Uh, there's always one who ruins it all. I know. It happened with That's me on a school trip as well, because we were in France. We yeah. all, the same sort of scenario, but it was with firecrackers. <laughs> See? There's always one, like you say, there's always one. Yeah. Sam Henley, he ruined it for us all. He set one off in the toilet just before we were going to go on the ferry. Well, I'm quite pleased that you've named and shamed him on here, right? He's a good drummer, mate. He's a good drummer, I'll give him that. (laughs) So, yeah, but you haven't forgiven him. That's the key thing. No. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, we got a problem. Uh, I mean, if you're in so much shit uh, that you've got to start threatening to go to war against Russia, you know, I think it's about time you just were taken away by the men with the, in the white coats. Simple as that. Yes. Yeah. I'm just looking at a sort of my world a minute to see how 
close the Navy can get to it, just in case it's sent away. Oh, well, yes, because you'll be called up immediately. Oh, well, my, my expertise and my physical press, oh, they're going to need me. Uh, nothing to do with the fact that you, you're a conscientious objector. Oh, straight Nothing's yeah. moved. Oh, so an update on that. No updates to go. Oh, right. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Silence. It has to go to the Home Secretary. Who is Liz Truss, right? That's going to be a laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Have you, oh, have you ever seen... It's in Pretty Patel, Home Secretary. Oh, I'm thinking, sorry, I was thinking oh. Foreign Secretary. You're quite right. Oh, yes. No, Pretty, Pretty Patel. Yeah. Well, she's, she's going to damn sure that your next assignment is in the channel somewhere, um, patching up failing inflatable dinghies coming from France to be sent back again for the next lot. That will oh, be your no. job. Yeah. Oh. But no, absolutely no update on that. And it literally could take years. Um, a red case study, and it took over three years. Three years? It's absurd, yeah. isn't it? You it think is. you think they go, oh, fucking hell, well, we're not going to talk this guy around. Just fucking get rid of yeah. him. Get rid of him, get someone new in. Yeah. Oh, what, do they, they, what do they want you to just give up? And then, yeah, essentially, yeah, they, they want to wait you out. And then you change oh, your no, mind. I, joke. I didn't mean it. Just let it on with my life. Is yeah. Sorry. For... Sorry about that. I was just having a bit of a moment when I wrote that letter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well. So yes, you're you're probably going to get shipped straight to Russia then. Straight Let's to see. the Black Sea. Straight to yes. the Black Sea. That's what I'm going to. I'm going to stop off in Istanbul on the way. Istanbul. Yeah, I'm going to go there first. Right. Yeah. Have okay. a have a little look around. Have. Uh, have a little look at some of the Turkish uh, delicacies. Mm -hmm. um, and then they, they won't with me then, I suppose. Slip That'll through the nice. Dardanelles. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be nice. Oh, I'm just looking at a map. Jesus. Yeah, it's right on top of naval warfare there. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yep. that's going to be fun. And, uh, and <laughs> we, you know, we won't have learnt any lessons from history. With our intrepid no. leader who thinks he is Churchill who got that fucking wrong in the first place. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Better off with that uh, <laughs> Churchill, isn't he, to running things? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyway, anyway, enough, enough of Boris Johnson for a minute. Yes, please. I, I just wanted to briefly come back to um, music because, um, of course, um, I'm planning to start a supergroup, my all-stars band. And we have briefly talked about this offline. Um, we have. Yeah. And this is all-stars. All yeah. <laughs> the thing is, um, as, as you know, with my own my own lot, they sometimes offer out a, a five-piece version of the band uh, that I don't get to be involved with. Um, yeah. Now, other people would say, that's a bit of a piss take, mate. Bearing in mind, you started this fucking band. But, you know, there we are. That's what they do. And uh, they would rather have no guitar and just a keyboard. 
or no keyboard and just a guitar and I'm not prepared to do that so um, I decided that I would do something else when they're doing these uh, reduced lineup gigs because you know yeah. I'm I'm losing a significant amount of money and oh, of course. Uh, you know in when you get people um, asking you if you play a gig and then you tell them what the price is and they went and they say oh that's a bit steep. What you should do is say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but that is the price. If you want somebody else, you know, I can recommend X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah, exactly. And you fucking hold the line. That's the price. Now, what this lot do is they go, oh, well, we can offer you the five-piece lineup, which is significantly cheaper. So it's getting to a point where there are almost as many of those gigs as the full lineup, which means that I'm losing probably 40-odd percent of the gigs I used to do. Bloody hell. That's a now, lot. That's oh, it's a, a fucking massive pay cut, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So, as you know, a couple of years ago, we started talking about maybe doing an all-stars band. And yeah. I know you're up for it, but a few people I've mentioned it to have, have flatly said, not interested because I've too old to be starting a new project or whatever, you know? And I, I thought, okay, well, um, that to me says you think you're going to have to do all the work, whereas I know from previous history that you don't do anything other than turn up. And and so I'd, uh, I've asked them, and they've said no, and they won't be asked again, right? If you if you're offered something in an all stars lineup, you should be thinking to yourself, "Wow, I can't believe yeah. I've been chosen!" Right? Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I was I was honoured. I was yeah. genuinely honoured. Yeah. For, first Absolutely. call, mate. First call. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so anyway, I had a message uh, last week from uh, the uh, partner or girlfriend, if you like, of the drummer from the Lambrettas, 80s mod band, that they were going to be in Porth Call on Sunday. Um, and if I wanted to join them, pop along. Uh, so I did. And I, I was really chuffed that they actually even thought of mentioning it to me. So I went along and uh, I took Claire with me. Claire was extremely hungover. And... Um, <laughs> Because I'd been to the gig in Gloucester, but she'd already got tickets to see another band in Barry, So she oh. honoured that, which I think was the right thing to do. Yeah. But she was driving, so she couldn't drink while she was there. So she had a bottle of wine when she got home. That's the way. Yeah. So she was really hungover and not feeling great. And she'd fallen asleep without taking her makeup off. So she had a weepy eye and all sorts. So. Oh. I dragged her in the bracing fucking wind down to Porth Call anyway. And uh, we met up with uh, Paul and Chairs and uh, another friend of theirs called Alison. And uh, we had a good old, good old chat and uh, and Paul's thinking, uh, well, they're planning to move down here. And so he said to me, he said, oh, he said, uh, I was, you know, he says, there's no music going on up our way. He said, I'd like to get a little four-piece mod band going or something. And I said, yeah, I I do that, Paul, but I don't think 
I can't, I just don't think I've got the time to do a couple of gigs in the week, right? With yeah. my other commitments. Um, I said, however, I am thinking of forming an all-stars band. And he went, oh, I'd be up for that. <laughs> so I thought, well, there we go. I said, well, if you... That's, you, the, that's the attitude I like to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy's yeah. a, a legend. And he, he's yeah, oh, absolutely. happy to be in an all-stars lineup with me, you know? And I was thinking, oh. that, that's perfect. So lovely stuff, I know. Yeah, it is mine. Is, uh, it is mine. Yeah. What sort of what are we sort of looking at then? Sort of like music wise with the all stars. Right. Spence's all stars. Oh. That's what it's called, by the way. Working title. <laughs> working title. <laughs> but, but it'd have to be a working title because you know, I, I, I come off the stage, nobody knows who I am, right? They'd be going, Who's oh, this yeah. fucking yeah. Spencer? <laughs> I mean, this happened what in Gloucester. Yeah. 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 Anthony Gloucester, in the bloody bogs at halftime, fella says to me, so uh, what do you think of the band so far then? Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, mate. And uh, and he goes, yeah, he said it was worth a tenner, wasn't it, to get in? And I'm like, I got in for free, mate. He goes, oh. I said, I'm in the fucking band. You just watched me for 45 minutes. You know? Fucking hell. No, I don't know. Nah. Don't remember you. <laughs> Were you wearing the Navarone's polo shirt, by the way? I actually was. Yeah. 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 I there actually you are, was. Man. And uh, when we finished the gig and we packed up the van, some young skinhead comes up to me and uh, very aggressive. And uh, he says, oh. Do you know what it means to be a skinhead? And he's jabbing his finger in my face, you know. And I went, Oh, marvelous. I said, I've got a rough idea, mate. Yeah. And uh, he says, it's, it's about not fitting in. And I said, well, um, there's a lot of skinheads here, mate, so you do fit in. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, you know. And he oh, look at confusion on his face like that. A, I wasn't terrified of him. And, and B, that, um, oh, yeah, there are a lot of skinheads here. And I do fit in. Yeah. 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 And... Uh, I mean, I've been, well, not anymore, but I was in sort of the scar scene for quite a while and sort of, you get the odd one and everyone else, you know, they're just, just lovely, really. Yeah. <laughs> just just because, there for the good times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially now that they're old and they don't, yes, want, yes. They don't want to punch they're up old. anymore. No, I mean, of course not. I can, I can remember uh, playing in the Cares Club in Bristol and oh, uh, yeah. a mosh pit formed in front of us. And they were all falling over, and other other elderly skinheads were having to help them up, and it was hilarious, you know. It was it was the most geriatric geriatric mosh pit I've ever seen. It was fantastic. Anyway, so we're going to form an all stars, and um, I'm I'm still considering, uh, you know, what sort of direction to take with it. But I'm yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going along the lines of. Um, Mod and Scar Revival, right? Oh, okay. Uh, especially as that's Paul Winter's sort of era, right? That he yeah. helped start. Um, Can we do Dreadlock, Dreadlock Holiday, please? That's my only thing I want to do. I'll sing it as well, and I don't mm, sing. That's 10cc, though, isn't it? Right? I know. I, th- I think maybe, maybe we'll let you do that as, a, as, a, as an encore on your own when you, you come on at the end of the night and sing the right. spotlight on you. 
<laughs> and uh, and you can do that it. one. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, that's the lines I'm thinking along. And, and essentially, yeah, no, that sounds great to me. Sounds I'm great. looking for two singers, one male, one female. I've already got my idea about the female one, as we discussed earlier, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think she'd be absolutely sensational. And it would allow us to do a lot of the two-tone era stuff that yeah. band, bands generally can't do because they don't have a, a girly singer. Um, That's right. I mean, obviously, we've got that with the Navarones, but Joe won't sing a lead part. You know, oh, okay. And never, mm. nev- never wants to. So, uh, no. yeah. So we'll get we'll get a best friend to do it instead. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, matey. Well, I'm thinking now that obviously, you know, we've got another big topic to discuss. Yeah. And it's just going to take a bit of a build-up, and I think we're going to need to have that advertising break uh, and come back uh, a little bit later when we are going to discuss whose fault was it that the war went on for as long as it did? Boris Johnson. There we go. <laughs> he wasn't even born then, mate. But yeah, uh, I know. I'm, talk- <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking Second World War as opposed to Third World. Oh, oh, pending. sorry, I misused. Yeah. I misused. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll see you in a few minutes. So we're back, and the big subject is whose fault was it that the war went on as long as it did? Oh, what a topic. (laughs) Well, it is because, I mean, do you say, can you you talk about whose fault it is as individuals or as nations? And, And that's the problem here, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what's your theory on this one? I don't know. So I looked sort of, you know, what I was taught from in school to start with, um, which was just shit anyway. Um, but with all the metrics and sort of different sides and why did it last so long and perhaps it didn't or shouldn't have. Um, but there's lots of different things and sort of opinions and facts Um but I'm really not sure. I, I'm really not sure of why it lasted so long. <laughs> right. Well, I, I was, you know, um, discussing this with a colleague in work. I'm not going to say a friend because uh, I think that would be going too far there, really. Um, it's a guy who, who I like to call Mental Richie. Right. Oh, fuck it now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's one of these people who's incredibly intense um, when he talks to you, and 
he, he tries to stare into your soul as he's talking to you. Uh, he takes mm. great pride in the fact that when he was at school, his nickname was The Hun. And oh, he, shit. <laughs> yeah, he does sort of look like he would have fitted into, you know, your typical uh, American uh, Second World War movie as, as uh, an evil German, you know. And he, oh, he is, yeah, he's absolutely obsessed with Hitler. Um, so oh, okay. I, I put the question to him, whose fault was it that the war went on as long as it did? And he said, well, he said it was our fault after the First World War because of the Versailles Treaty. And right. I thought to myself, well, that, surely is the reason why Germany felt a bit pissed off with us rather than a reason why the Second World War actually went on for as long as it did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be my thoughts as well. (laughs) But I did stop and think about that, and and possibly... There, there's something to that a consequence of the Versailles okay. Treaty. Um, I'll go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, you know, really speaking, if, if you look at the way the Germans had planned to do war, yeah, it, it had to be a lightning war against whoever the opposition was. They, yeah. they were going to war earlier than planned. Uh, and therefore did not have the build-up of men and materials and machinery that they had planned. And therefore it meant that they had to strike fast and hard and have the whole thing done and dusted within weeks rather than years. Yeah. They, their method of warfare wasn't, geared around the First World War style of trench warfare and no. battles of attrition. You know, they, they didn't have the material and the resources to do that. Now, if you look at, um, you know, the, the, uh, the initial sort of land grabs that they were doing where the rest of Europe sort of turned a blind eye, if you like. And, you know, that was your appeasement, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really mind if Germany took back control over certain areas where they were essentially German people, you know, like in Sudetenland. I mean, Czechoslovakia, after all, was a made-up country. It wasn't a real country. No, no, made up of thin, well out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. So you think to yourself, well, okay, um, first of all, who did Germany consider to be their their main enemy? Uh, do you know? The Jews or in general or country-wise? No, country-wise, because, um, I mean, the Jews was just, you know, a That's side. arch nemesis. I, I right. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to um, be one of these people that can be 
called a Holocaust denier or anything like that. Um, no, I don't not. want to um, trivialize what happened to the Jews. I'm certainly not going to do that. But in the no. grand scheme of things, um, trying to eliminate the, the Jewish people from Europe was a sideshow. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. That wasn't okay. the main aim of the German uh, high command. I mean, right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, no, that's fine. That's that fine. does, that might not sound very comfortable to people, but uh, their main thing was they needed living space or living room, yeah, Lebensraum, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Their main enemy in their minds and their strategy, plans for war, was not Great Britain. Hmm. Right. Russia? Nope. Oh. France. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> right. Now, this is quite interesting. Right. Right? Okay. They didn't think they would be going to war against Britain. Uh, that was the last things on their mind. What they wanted to do was hammer the fuck out of the French and they actually thought the French were a much bigger threat to them than Britain. Really? Yeah. Okay. No. Well, that's surprising from my point of view. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, okay. So what would your point of view have been then prior to me dropping that bombshell? Well, from just sort of men wanting wars, so the living space, really, and just wanting not to go to war with everyone. I don't think they want, my first experience was they didn't really want to go to war at all, if possible. Um, they just wanted, like you said, the appeasement of being able to go where they wanted with the threat of war. Um, that would have been what I would have thought. Um, but actually wanting to fight France, I can see their point. <laughs> um, but no, I... I I just don't know about that. I just didn't under, don't understand that. Well, this is, this is why I decided that I would revisit the con uh, the whole thing about the Versailles Treaty after speaking to Mandel Ritchie, right? Yeah, now, I'm almost a hundred percent certain that Mandel Ritchie just bl blurted that out rather than actually knowing any facts about it. Okay. Okay. Right. right. But essentially, um, as part of the Versailles Treaty, um, Germany was to recognize her sole war guilt and to pay reparations amounting to £6 billion. Oh. Now, that's, that's a huge amount of money in those yeah. days, 1918, okay? It's a huge amount of money now. <laughs> yeah. Well, in addition, complete disarmament, yeah, abolition of military service and military aircraft, and the total yep. destruction of armament factory equipment. You know that was right. the demands, okay. right? Yeah. So there was, however, one aspect of this treaty that might have redeemed it, and that was the birth of the League of Nations, right? right. So okay, the League was established under a covenant of twenty-six articles which formed part one of the Treaty of Versailles. 
the covenant covenant uh, bound member nations mutually to respect their independence and territorial integrity and not to employ force for the settlement of disputes until they had first submitted them to the League. So sanctions, for example, uh, military or economic measures, intended to enforce the fulfilment of the international treaty obligations, were to be taken against any country committing an act of aggression in defiance of the covenant. According to Versailles, however, any measures taken against Germany to enforce her obligations under the treaty were not to be regarded as hostile acts. What? Yeah, I mean, so essentially, if you felt that they weren't fulfilling their obligations, you could go in there and kick the shit out of people, kill people, do what you liked, and that wasn't regarded as a hostile act. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> who, the, well, who the fuck wrote that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Neither. Now, the problem, of course, with the League of Nations was uh, um, it was hampered from the outset by the refusal of the United States to participate, in spite of the fact that it owed its birth to President Wilson, who incorporated his the, uh, the idea of it, rather, in his 14 Mm. points for the liquidation of the war in January 1918. Oh, right. You know. Oh, Oh. and there was no room for Germany in this new League of Nations until until she had paid her debts and and then could share in its councils. All right. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I can, yeah. No. (laughs) Here's an interesting thing, you see, because um, as you'll remember from the First World War, the Russians had to bail out a bit, right? Yeah, they were a bit busy, weren't they? (laughs) They were a bit busy, but the German demands for war reparations from Russia were far more difficult to comply with, far more stringent, far more painful than the ones that were applied to Germany, right? Oh, okay. So if I'd been negotiating at the Versailles Treaty, uh, I probably would have said, well, you know, on balance, we'll get more back from Russia than we're having to give back to uh, the Allies, right? (laughs) Except there was a bit of a problem. The Germans, there was no way they could enforce it. Because if, no. Russia, if Russia failed to pay up or whatever they had to do, they couldn't go and enforce it because they weren't allowed no. to have any machinery, no, military machinery, no. right? Okay. No. So really, they were absolutely fucked, you know. From now, the start. <laughs> now, there is a, another problem here, right? And um, Germany couldn't pay the war reparations. And the bitterness, which was inevitable on both sides, increased when Raymond Poincaré became Premier of France in 1922. You know, he hated the Germans. He he was from uh, Lorraine, you know, like as in uh, Alsace-Lorraine. Yeah. Now, this is a region that had been swapping back and forth between Germany and France for like 
centuries, if you like. Yeah, for history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he hated the Germans with a loathing that was almost fanatical, you know, and he would make them pay their debts, whatever the cost of the German people. Okay. You know, obviously, uh, you know, Britain took a more lenient view, but Juan Carre refused to be robbed of his prey and announced his intention of recovering France's debts at the point of bayonet with or without the cooperation of Great Britain. Oh. And in January 1923, French troops poured into the Ruhr. 147,000 Germans were expelled from their homes. A hundred were shot in the streets. Newspapers were suppressed and offices seized. You know, now, Germany's response to that was to um, start an economic strike. But the, the consequences yeah. of that were that the, uh, the mark crashed and it, ru- uh-huh. it, you know, it destroyed basically the greater part of the middle class. And hunger yeah. riots spread from town to town. Shops were plundered. And in the end, uh, Gustav Stressmann, who had become the chancellor in August, realising the futility of further resistance, had to call the strikes off. Now, new hope rose with the fall of Poincaré in 1924, and a revised reparation scheme was worked out by American politician General C.G. Dawes, chairman of the Reparations Committee. So the Dawes plan provided for uh, German payments of two thousand million marks per year right but they never said when that stopped they never you know said that that stops in 1930 or something you know yeah so in on a second september germany paid the first installment and by 31st of july 1925 the French troops basically left the Ruhr Valley then, right? Oh. Um, Britain, USA, and other countries then assisted Germany's economic reconstruction with loans which between 1924 and 1930 more than offset the sum paid in reparations, right? So we loaned them the money to be able to pay us back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we loaned one. No, it's, it's not quite like that. We loaned them no. the money yeah. to rebuild their economy, which would so they, in turn allow yeah. them to be able to pay their pay reparations. Yeah. All right. But the loans that we all gave them far exceed. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I got it. I got okay. it so far. Yeah. So <laughs> you would think, therefore, in the minds of the Germans, they, they would either think, oh, yeah, fucking. The British and the Yanks are a pair of bunch of fucking idiots giving us money to help us pay this off. But on the yeah. other hand, they might think, oh, do you know what? They're not that bad, actually, are they, the Germans and the Brits? Whereas the French, they've invaded. They booted out 147,000 and killed 100 people in the streets, you know, and, yeah. and stayed here for another three years. Yeah. So <sighs> I'm at that point, I'm starting to think, hang on a minute. Maybe the Treaty of Versailles did have consequences that may have caused the the whole Second World War not only to start but to start against 
you know, well, with the, the intention of finishing it in France. In France. Right? Yeah. So I was, I done uh, GCSE history and none of this was mentioned. Right. <laughs> at all. Isn't that interesting? Let you know. <laughs> right. But I bet you know all about Henry VIII's wives. Oh, of course. I yeah. Oh. Okay. So. On the 16th of November 1925, an event occurred which seemed to sweep the last clouds from the political sky. The Treaty of Locarno was concluded between Britain, France, Germany, Italy and Belgium. By this treaty, the signatories undertook to maintain their present mutual frontiers and abstain from the use of force against each other. At the same time, Germany recognised the demilitarization of Rhine of the Rhineland, right? Right. The process of reconciliation, having once begun, proceeded apace. And early in 1926, Britain completed her evacuation of Cologne, and in oh. September, Germany took her place as a great power in the councils of the League of Nations. Disarmament was in the air. The League was in the ascendant. And when on the 27th of August 1928, most of the nations of the world put their signatures to the Kellogg-Briand Pact in Paris, an international agreement by which the countries concerned undertook not to resort to war as an instrument for settling international disputes, it looked as if the spectre of war had been banished for long years to come. Right? Sounds good on paper. Sounds good on paper. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Okay. And that's when relations between Germany and her neighbours continued to improve. In 1930, the adoption of the Young Plan eased still further the burden of Germany's war debt, whilst the Allies' evacuation of the Rhineland began in 1929 and completed on the 30th of June 1930 and therefore restored Germany to a full measure of self-respect. Right. Nice. Okay. This is where things now start to go a bit wrong. Right. Okay. The, the League of Nations received its first setback in 1931. On the 18th of September, Japan invaded China and seized many strategic points in Manchuria. China appealed to the League of Nations, and as a result, Japan was ordered to evacuate the occupied territory by the 16th of November. Japan oh, refused okay. and declared cool. that she would tolerate no interference. Oh. The Western powers were unwilling to do more than pass a moral condemnation, and the idea of collective security was undermined. Japan continued her war and left the League. Now, you see, at this point, right... The Germans are bound to be thinking to themselves, well, they were a bit soft there, weren't they? A bit yeah. soft on Japan. Yeah, they just yeah. let them wander off on their own and do their own thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's a no wonder that Japan thought, well, fucking hell. You know, if you, if you look at European involvement in the Far East, um, you know, they, they're a serious threat to us, and yet, They've done nothing. Yeah. They've done nothing at all. Yeah. Well, we just let us get away with it. Yeah. 
So you ha have two major protagonists in the Second World War thinking, well, fucking hell, you know, get away with murder. Yeah. 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 Maybe they're not as strong as we thought they were. Yeah. Right. So, so now that has changed a lot. I mean, I didn't even realize that we were occupying parts of Germany right up till 1930. No, I knew we'd stayed behind for a little bit to tidy up, you know, and all that. Um, but no, I, I didn't know it was for that long, bloody hell. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's it's 12, 12 years of occupation in total. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, I can, I can imagine that they would be a bit pissed off about that as well. And, and yeah, this, oh, I this whole thing about how you can, another country can come in and start slaughtering people and, but, oh, you know. Until you pay your first payment, like. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not regarded as, a, as an act of hostility. No. I mean, no. Jesus, I mean, of course, Germans must have been thinking, fucking hell, you know. We we did, like we did the wrong it? thing, yeah. You know, yeah. They're bound to be thinking we did the wrong thing. So, I'm feeling a bit sorry for Germany at the moment. I, I think rightly so. You know, and a little bit bewildered um, at why they didn't do anything to Japan or to sort something out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the thing is, um. We didn't have a very good record of public relations with China. Um, no. You know, so eh, it's only the chinkies. Um, you know, Japan had defeated Russia militarily. Mm. Um, so Russia, we weren't really that friendly with Russia. No. Prior to um, World War Two, as the Americans call it, the sequel. Uh, <laughs> so now, yeah, things things are starting to look a little bit different in my mind as to, um, you know, the, the causes of of the next war, the Second World War. Yeah. But I'm at this stage, I'm still not clear about why the war went on for so long and whose fault it was, because no. I, I, I firmly believe it was not one man's fault or. A group of men's fault, or I, I think it was. I, I'm I'm going to nail this down to a country. I think. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Um, hmm. And it's not Japan. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's certainly not Germany. No. Right. No. Okay. So, if Germany thought that France was their main enemy. I can yeah. see why, in a way, now because obviously they could march in into Germany whenever they bloody liked, and boot yeah. out one hundred forty-seven thousand people, kill others, start, yeah, know. and start shooting people, yeah. yeah. And right. they did have <laughs> probably the best and most modern army, right? Yeah. They also had a, a really, really dangerous and large navy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, 
the Germans started to say, look, you know, we, we, we can't be unarmed. We can't be in a situation where we have no, uh, you know, military. And they started to get some concessions, you know, from, from, uh, the victorious allies. Uh, when it came to building ships, they could only have 35% of the tonnage that Britain or France had, for example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but still that's something and a lot more than nothing. Yeah. You've then got to say to yourself, well, crikey, you know, um, okay, so we can start building ships and they'll have to be good ones. Um, yeah. What are we, what are we going to do? Because we've, we'll only have 35% of what each of the allies has got. Um, yeah. But they didn't, they still didn't consider Britain to be somebody who was going to be their enemy. No. Their, their war was going to be with France. Yeah. So the French Navy was a very significant Navy. And, yeah. you know, there wasn't any kind of a pact going on with Italy at this stage. Or, no. Um, you know, so uh, there, there were plans originally with the big, the two big ships, the Bismarck and the Tirpitz, mm-hmm. that they were going to be diesel powered. Oh, right. Now that would have been a game changer because of the range they could have travelled with diesel yeah. power as opposed to steam turbines. And yeah, well, yeah, you know, the plans were drawn up that they would be fitted with diesel engines. But unfortunately, the manufacturer of the diesel engines that had uh, won the contract and said, yeah, yeah, we can do it, no problem, uh, finally announced that they had no no way of making diesel engines that size and that powerful. Oh, well, well. So <laughs> the plans had to be changed then to steam turbines. And it, it kind mm-hmm. of ruined the concept really of the Bismarck and the Tirpitz because, you know, they, yeah. all of a sudden they were going to have to have steam boilers and coal, lots of coal and yeah. then a much reduced range. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. They were building fantastic battleships, but they were compromised from the start. Yeah. So, you know, problem you're going to have now was you couldn't really, take on the French fleet just with battleships. So yeah. they, they had to have a, a go ahead then with more submarines and, um, fingers crossed, hope for the best. <laughs> right. But of course they did, the Germans did have this fantastic coordination between the ground forces and the air, not so much with, with the sea. Because, I mean, they didn't have a fleet air arm, for example. No. Uh, they, they did have um, some, you know, um, naval uh, aircraft. 
Yeah, mainly sort of spotting things, yeah. mainly rather than fighting. Exactly, uh, exactly. Or dropping bombs on ships, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they obviously showed the world straight away with Poland. All right, we all know now it was a, a false flag operation. Yeah. Uh, go to war against uh, Poland, who have always been. It was certainly when I was studying history of Second World War at school, Poland were ridiculed in history mm. books. Absolutely outrageous, really. Yeah. Um, you know, 3rd of September, oh. which uh, would have been my wedding anniversary, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we declared war on Germany. Interestingly, France kind of uh, held back a little bit before declaring war, even though they were bound by the same treaty to come to Poland's aid as we were. Yeah. But we declared war and then did uh, precisely fuck all. Yeah. (laughs) That was very accurate. Yeah. (laughs) Now, unfortunately for the Poles, uh, they had the Russians invade them from the other side. Yeah. And yeah. it was probably the softest invasion ever because the Russians just said, hey, listen, we're going to come in here and make sure the Germans don't capture any more of Poland. Right? Yeah. We're on your side, buddy. Yeah. We're here to look after you. Yeah. Don't you worry. We got out. Oh, uh, there we well, go. And <laughs> by the way, we've just shot all your fucking officers. Yeah. <laughs> You're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> so... Poland was utterly betrayed. Um, yeah. And we did nothing. No. What happens no. then? You know. Right. Oh. I, I can see how things have unfolded the way they have. Yeah. It does make things sort of a little bit clearer in a way, especially with France hanging back a bit. Yeah. Just waiting to see, really. I think if they were going to make a move somewhere else or towards them in a way. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Well, no. you know, um, what happens next is that, you know, you, you've got the likes of um, Holland, Denmark falling, mm-hmm. Norway. Finland have a little uh, have a, a battle with Russia. Oh, they're busy at the moment. Right. <laughs> Come back later. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, then, the British expeditionary force lands on the shores of France. Oh, I was brave, boys. They just sat pretty much on the border of Belgium and Germany. Yeah. Uh, because I mean the Belgians were saying we're neutral don't come in because you'll uh breach our neutrality if you come in into belgium yeah go around yeah go around (laughs) so like we're all like uh well you do know the germans are going to come marching straight through here don't you regardless of your neutrality no 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 we'll stop them in their tracks don't you worry about that yeah, uh, we put the well, bolt on the door. Yeah. The problem is, you know, they're in Holland. 
by now. Yeah. And Holland borders Belgium. Because, because Belgium yeah. is really made up of Dutch people and French people, right? Yeah. So uh, by... It's another country that was made up of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Germans took the Dutch completely by surprise, completely overwhelmed yeah. them. And, yeah. you know, they they did probably the most sensible thing for them was to to capitulate pretty quickly. Yeah, but, I mean, that absolutely. does instantly put Belgium in peril. And you've got to be a monumental fuckwit. If you know the history of your own country that's been invaded time and time again and trampled yep. over, you've got to be a monumental fuckwit not to feel the fear. You know? Yeah, no? absolutely. <laughs> now, there was a bit of a massive cock-up here. You know, we had reconnaissance aircraft flying all over just to yeah. see what the Germans were doing. We had seen and photographed columns of German tanks and vehicles in the Ardennes, right? Oh, yep. But senior commanders said, no, 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 no. That's a bluff. You have to be mental to try and come through there. They'll come through Belgium like they did in the First World War. They'll come yeah. the easy way, right? Yeah. Of course, what they do, they come through the fucking Ardennes, don't they? Yeah, of course they do, yeah. Where they surprised are, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Including the, the weakest French divisions, you know, who were put there because, uh, you know, there's not the Germans won't come through here. No, we'll put the old boys there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now hindsight is a wonderful thing of course but of course. I would have said as a military commander um, well maybe they won't come through the Ardennes maybe they will I'm not going to take a fucking yeah. chance and they're no. all lined up there on this road Yeah, I'm just going to carpet bomb the fucking lot of them they can't turn around right? they can't get away <sighs> it's yeah. like you know, we, um, the Allies, if you like, the British and Americans, I think mostly the Americans, did that in um, the first Gulf War, right? Or yeah. um, with the column of retreating Iraqis coming out of Kuwait. Carpet yeah. bomb the fucking lot of them, right? Yeah. Horrendous, but effective. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. could have done that with a column in the Ardennes, right? Yep. Yeah. War would have been over. Yeah. That would have been the Job end done. of it, there and then. Yeah. So, whose fault was that? Not mine. <laughs> Christ, why? Oh. So, who ignored, not ignored it, but who sort of made people sort of decide that they weren't going to go through the Ardennes and they, they were going to go through Belgium? Was that us? It, or? Well. Was it sort of everyone come to that conclusion? It would have been the French and the British, but let's oh, let's be realistic. The the French, right, were the major army air, yeah. and air force there. Yeah. Us British Expeditionary Force, um, you know, ten what was it uh, ten battalions or something like that? I mean, it was a very small yeah. amount of people. Yeah, just right. yeah. And for a look. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No fighting power, really. No, no, not really. No. But no. there you Jesus. go. So I, I would imagine 
that the overall military decision not to carpet bomb that lot was done at the French. It had to be. Uh, unless, <laughs> unless the only other um, possibility is that we had the reconnaissance and didn't tell the French. Oh, for a laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's possible, right? It, it is possible, yeah. Right, so when, when the Germans come crashing through uh, the Ardennes, you know, they were facing superior French tanks, right? Yeah. No no question about it. The, uh, I mean, have you seen a, a Panzer One and a Panzer Two? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very small, armed with pea shooters. Uh, French shall be. You haven't got a chance. Not a fucking chance. Right? No. So they did have some Panzer 3s, I believe, but not enough. But they had a fantastic tactic. What they would do was they'd come out of the woods and the French would go chasing after them. They'd reverse back into the woods and then let their anti-tank uh, guns destroy the French. Yeah. Okay. So there were, there were no tank battles. They, they just <laughs> lured the French into, you know, in to their kill zone, yeah. essentially. Now, the problem as well, and this, this is how bloody... The difference between the French and the German military at that time, the German military had radios in every tank right so they could communicate with each other they could also communicate with the aircraft overhead so the the (laughs) tank commanders could call in stuka dive bombers and just tear the place up and for no loss of their own yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense it does the (laughs) the french had no radios right even the commanders the french commanders who were miles from the front had no radios what they would do they'd send out a dispatch rider every hour to find out what was going on and then (laughs) send instructions back absolutely insane the most dreadful thing they could have done to have no communication is just stupid there's no other word for it it is no you are right now, the other thing that the Germans had done, this is, this is quite interesting, right? Before the war, they had considered the use of diesel engines. Made a lot of sense, right? Yes, yep. Except that they realized that um, nobody else was using diesel, no. right? Now, if you're going yeah. to capture... Um, enemy territory and you may well capture their fuel dumps their fuel supplies so it it makes sense that if they're not using diesel but they're using petrol then you should use petrol right yeah right okay so that that was the idea that they came they they went out there with instead of um, using diesel engines which would have been more suitable for the Eastern Front, right? More robust, yeah. more reliable, but not—they're not—they yeah. weren't as powerful either. That was a part of the problem. 
petrol engines did have more power. All right. So, yeah. you know, on balance, you're going to go petrol. Well, the Germans carried all their um, fuel in jerry cans. And yep. the in the case of the French, they'd have to roll up with a uh, a petrol uh, bowser. Uh, right? Yeah. And it would it would take them very much longer to refuel all their tanks. You know, one one petrol tanker as opposed to everybody being able to grab jerry cans and and so the Germans could refill their tanks all at the same time. Right? Yeah. So they were very much quicker and more efficient at refueling. And and of course, you know, speed is everything, right? When you're fighting a lightning war. You've got to overwhelm yeah. that enemy as fast as possible. You can't yeah, fight about speed, speed attrition. is the essence. Right. Speed okay. is the key. So the French fucked up big time there already, right? In several yeah. ways. Now, the other thing is that all the German crews were equipped with French Michelin maps, right? Of oh, France. Definitely. So they knew where all the roads were. Yep. And it also meant that... Um, now, this, this is perhaps... Um, a lesser known thing. Right. But the French embraced the motor car so much so that yeah. there were millions of them. But that meant yeah. they also had to have a very good network of petrol stations. Right? Yeah. So the yeah. Germans right. just filled up the tanks at petrol stations once they were in France. Yeah. Right? Exactly. They used the yeah. French fuel. <laughs> the French didn't think, hmm, perhaps you ought to blow that up. Right. So now the problem now, of course, is that French are in free fall and you've got um, the British Expeditionary Force doing their best. You don't hear enough about the British Expeditionary Force, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the, The contribution of the Welsh Guards, for example which my grandfather was in, fighting in the British Expeditionary Force. You know, they fought in Arras to try and hold back the Germans. Now, yeah. I read I read a, a, um, a war uh, memoir by a Welsh guardsman about that Battle of Arras. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't terribly involved in it because he was a signalman and he was attached to a different regiment then. Um, Okay. But he was getting reports that the Welsh Guards had been wiped out completely. Uh, But that was all false reports. Um, Apparently they they really did hold their own and and did a fantastic job of holding up the Germans. The, The Germans were dropping paratroopers sort of randomly all around the city to sort of cause chaos. Um, but it wasn't working out very well for the Germans in that respect because uh, they were just being picked off quite easily. Yeah. Um, now, we had um, the British Matilda tank in Arras, the Mark One. Yep. The Germans were horrified to discover that no matter what they fired at it, they couldn't destroy it. No. Right? But it was slow as fuck. You know, it, it was designed to just keep pace with troops on the march, right? Um, 
the the, the Mark II Matilda, again, an, an amazing tank that the Germans couldn't destroy, but it was slow, so you could just drive right past it, right? Yeah. Bit of a problem. <laughs> um, but now we've got the situation where the French are running for their fucking lives, okay, whilst we're all in Belgium. Yeah. There's a very real prospect that we're going to get cut off, surrounded, right? because we're fighting, you know, on the, the, the sort of Germans coming in from Holland and coming in from, you know, the, uh, Germany itself into Belgium and coming in behind us through France. Right? What added yeah. what added to the problems then was that the Belgians themselves had prearranged retreat lines should they be invaded. And they didn't tell us that they had these prearranged retreat lines or that they yeah. were going to retreat. Of course not. Of course so not. the consequences are that it meant we we would have been encircled very, very quickly had we not decided to run for the coast. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, we would have been wiped out. Yeah, uh, would have been yeah, wiped out to we, a man. We would have been gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Jeez. our only option then was to try and get to Dunkirk because Calais was gone. Yeah. Right. We um, We were in big trouble. Big, big trouble. And and so, you know, we, all right, we got a lot of people out of Dunkirk. When people talk about the miracle, yeah. the miracle of Dunkirk, it really was a miracle. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely was. There's always this thing about what, uh, why did Hitler call a halt, right, to the tanks? Yeah. When he could have destroyed us on the beaches. Well, I, I suspect that the reality is that he knew though that tanks they had were light tanks. They they could have easily been destroyed by us. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, even though we had uh, the most tragic sort of anti-tank weaponry, it would penetrate the armor of one of those. Um, I'm trying yeah. to think what they call them now. Um is it the gun the boys, itself? Yeah, the boys and that is the boys anti-tank yeah. rifle. Yeah, I mean it fired a hell of a round. Oh, it did. <laughs> you know, but it was a one one shot weapon, really. You know, so yeah. But I oh. I think Hitler knew his his people had outrun their supply train. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they were out. They were out of. They were out of ammunition. I suspect, out of food. They'd, they'd left the, the, their own troops far behind in the race to the coast. Yeah. And they they could have been absolutely obliterated there had we had some sort of coordinated counterattack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, I suppose with the French in full panic mode, uh, it kind of probably panicked us a bit as well. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So Definitely. at this point, I'm thinking, well, fucking hell, the Belgians didn't help, did they? 
The French, you know, everybody calls them cheese-eating surrender monkeys, right? Oh, yeah. But there's more to it than this. You see, you've got to look at the politics of France as well. France was caught between what you would call, I suppose, democratic parties and the rise of communism. And and there was a very realistic chance that the communists would be able to make up such ground in French politics that they would take over. Right. right. Now, Germany had a problem with communism as well. And yep. it wasn't until Hitler finally got into power that they dealt with the communists. I mean, he, he essentially got in to full power on the ticket of, I'll get rid of the commies, right? Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he had said, you know, Germany is going to be the champion in Europe in the fight against communism, right? Oh. We will be the ones that drive communism out. So now you've got a problem in France, right? You've got the, the communists saying, we've got to stand up against this fucking guy. Uh, yep. and if we'd been in power, you wouldn't have been in full retreat. Right? And you've got the, you know, the, the Democrats, if you like, thinking, well, Hitler said he was going to get rid of you fucking commies. You know, <laughs> what, what do you do? Yeah. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, then, then you've got the French, <laughs> French thinking the British are abandoning them to their fate. Oh, of course. Right? Of course. And, you know, let's be fair. The, the, you know, we've had a few wars against France ourselves. Yeah. You could argue they've got good reason to have a historical distrust of Britain. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So is it our fault now that <laughs> the war continues? You know, do we, do we just go, well, you know, fuck it, hands up. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just say to the Germans, yeah, fuck it, you know, we don't even like France, you have it. Uh, you That's like... what I was just going to ask, yeah. really. Yeah. Do you think it was possible in the minds of sort of Germany before this started, that if they just waged war against France, that we would either stay neutral or not join them, not join Germany against France, but sort of let it happen. Well, you know, as I said, I mean, the Germans had been saying, look, we are, we are going to be the ones who drive communism out of Europe. And yeah, you know, don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't resist that. Or if you can't re no. resist yeah. it, we it will good. come in and deal with thing. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, we weren't a big fan of communism. Uh, no. After all, the uh, the Rusky communists had, uh, you know, sort oh. of murdered part of the royal family. You know. Yeah. So, I I suspect um, the problem there with Britain was that it, it would have been a case of well, you know. What are you planning to do once you take over France? 
because it doesn't sit well with our people because we you know it's not that long ago that we lost an enormous part of our young male population yeah. fighting you that's within well within living memory yeah i mean could yeah well within could you <laughs> put that across to the british public and you know the british public accept it i mean there was no taste for war really amongst the Brit- british public i mean they no. were still war weary no. they didn't certainly didn't want yeah. any more of their young lads killed so no, of course not no. you know you could argue that in the, the german mindset would have been well look you know it's just you know we're we're mates really you know you're anglo-saxons right we're the same yeah uh, yeah, and you know we we don't need we we shouldn't be enemies, you know. Uh, yeah. Us Prussians fought with you guys yeah. at the Battle of Waterloo to kick the French fuckers out. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, again in Belgium, why didn't the Belgians oh. learn? And they, and therefore, you know, really, I suppose in in German minds, there was a good case that Britain would say. Yeah, all right, you have it. Just as long as we can. That's what I was thinking. Nip That's over what I was thinking for our holidays, you know. Now, of course, um, I've, I've got this map here, and and I'm, I'm looking at because um, we're going to get onto this in a minute. Africa, right? Right. Africa, as you know, was pretty heavily carved up. Um, by <laughs> by non-Africans. Yes, famously uh, so. <laughs> so if you if you look at the French Empire in North Africa, you are looking at uh, uh, Tunis, as it was called then. I guess that's Tunisia, right? Yes. Algeria. Oh, sorry, I should say French West Africa, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Call it by his proper name. Oh, yeah. Okay. You've got <laughs> Morocco. And yeah. you've you've got, uh, let me see, Chad. And yeah. Cameroon. French Congo. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's their bit. That's like an awful lot of Africa, right? Yeah. And then you've got the British Empire in Africa, which was uh, Gambia, Sierra yep. Leone, the Gold Coast, Nigeria, Sudan, and you've got, uh, I see, I can't quite read this one, British Somalia, Kenya, oh, yeah. Aden, Uganda, you know, we had a fair, bit, fair chunk. We did have quite a bit, to be uh, fair. And then the Italians had uh, a little bit as well. They had... Um, yeah. uh, Rio de Oro, which you probably never heard of, it's next to Morocco. They had Port Guinea, Liberia. Liberia? Yep. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes. The Belgian Congo. Um, yeah. Actually, sorry, no, the Belgian Congo is obviously Belgian, right? But they, yeah. they oh, sorry, I've wow. actually, let me start again. I've got this slightly wrong. You see, this is a black and white book. Sorry, they, oh, Rio. <laughs> sorry, Rio de Oro, Port Guinea, Liberia, Egypt, 
right? And the Congo, the Belgian Congo, is, is Belgian, right? Yeah. Uh, the Italian Empire, Libya, and Abyssinia, and Eritrea, and Somaliland. Right. Okay, so here we go. There's a lot of land there that you could take off the French. Yeah. Right? Because the, the Germans wanted their own empire, essentially. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, now, here's the thing. This is where politics gets really fucking heavy. Um, the French premier, Reynaud, he had this idea that you could you could take all the French military personnel and all their equipment over to North Africa and continue the war from there, right? Mm. Now, he, right. he had decided, uh, they thought that was a great policy, but you see, in, in absolute, yeah, I mean, he was being hammered from all sides by everybody in French politics, and he thought the best thing he could do is appoint a First World War hero, Marshal Patan, right, oh, as right. the interim prime minister, if you like. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah. therefore, he could deal with the Germans, and they felt that it was probably best to, um, you know, go for an armistice. Yeah. Right. Now... An armistice is a surrender of sorts. Yeah. Right? But it, it's the first phase of an armistice is a ceasefire. Yeah. Right? Uh, or cessation of all, all hostilities. That's it, yeah. And then you've got to hammer out terms and conditions. Now, the problem here is what are you going to give up? Because clearly the, uh, the, the Germans were um, in a position where they could say, well, we're happy to continue the fight until, you com until we force an unconditional surrender. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you, you know the story, of course, of the French um, surrender of the armistice. Do you? Oh, it, the, I don't know. I think I in the in the train. Yes. Well, what Hitler did, he he knew <laughs> exactly where the railway carriage was in yeah. which the Germans had signed the armistice agreement of the First World yeah. War, and he thought this would be fantastically symbolic and and probably hilarious to the Germans to retrieve yeah. that railway carriage from the museum that it was in, bring it back to the, exactly the same spot, uh, yeah. but this time the chairs would be reversed. This time the French were seeking an armistice, right? And it was incredibly humiliating for yeah. the French. Of course, the French sent their military personnel to um, agree the terms of the armistice, and yep. the Germans were just astonished that the French was, uh, military personnel were saying, well, um, 
we'll have to check with the with the uh, politicians that this is okay. <laughs> Jim was like, "What? This this needs to be done and dusted like in the next hour." Yeah, and, uh, no the time to. French generals were saying, "Well, it's, it doesn't really work like that in France," <laughs> you know, um, and so it went on a bit longer than it should have. Yeah. But but there we are. They they came up with a scheme that they would um, surrender something like uh, two thirds of France to German control, so long as they could have full autonomy in uh, what they called Vichy France. Yeah. Right. And Marshal Patan would be the leader of Vichy France. Yeah. Uh, the leader of Vichy government. Yeah. Now, this is when, you know, um, of course, the, the Italians get, you know, they can they can see that France is about to fall prior to this armistice. And they go, do you know what? We want a bit of this. And that's when they <laughs> declared war on the French. Right? Oh, marvellous. So the French are already beat. The Italians go, right, fuck it. We'll have a bit of this. Declare war on France. And and they start sort of like marching up through the Alps and everything, you know. And uh, of course, the French are like Jesus, fuck. you know. It's in six weeks we've lost a hundred thousand men, and now the Italians join in. <laughs> right? um, so they then had to sign an armistice with the Italians, right? Crazy. But but the the Italians um, armistice was was a little bit more weird, really. They essentially wanted um, access through France to trade with Germany without being hindered, right? Right. So uh, they, they wanted to be able to, and, and they wanted the Germans to be able to go through Vichy France without being challenged as well. It was essentially yeah. like a bit of a trade route. Um, yeah. Uh, most bizarre thing, you know, but of course, the problem is the Patan actually betrayed the French by not allowing them to move all their military assets to North Africa. Oh. And he did it because he felt, allegedly, he felt that France would be better off um, having some autonomy and no more killed. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. But that meant that the French Navy then is now in the hands, essentially, of the Axis forces. That's correct. Right. <laughs> now... Oh, we can't be having that. <laughs> no. Now, people who think that the... Um, you know the, the the Vichy did nothing after that. They didn't do anything with the navy, right? But actually, they did. Um, you, you know, they they um, right. I, I'm I'm going to kind of pick a few bits out of a, a book on Vichy France here because this is yeah. And this this book I should mention it is by Robert O. Paxton, uh, Vichy France: Old Guard and New Order, 1940 to 1944. It's a it's a riveting read, actually. Ooh. And uh, so, uh, 
While the African situation remained fluid in August to September 1940, Vichy had done its conspicuous best to throw the Anglo-Gaulists out of Africa. Right now, the Anglo-Gaulists, essentially that is the Free French and yep. the British. Right? The Free French yep. were you know, under General de Gaulle, uh, yeah. and hence they were called the Gaullists, right? The three cruisers and three destroyers they sent down the African coast on September the 6th acted decisively to thwart the Gaullist mission to Dakar. They got General Tetu released from a prisoner of war camp to command loyal French forces in the Gabon and General Falvey to command the planned operation into Chad. They bombed Gibraltar on September the 24th and 25th they proposed to convoy French merchant shipping with warships through the Straits of Gibraltar. Now, the Germans actually denied them the ability to do that. Oh. But they appealed repeatedly for release from armistice restrictions on the French army in Africa. No doubt it was German and Italian reluctance more than French hesitancy that kept them from doing even more. When Franco-German joint planning actually began a month later on November the 29th, however, the French military ministers had become much more cautious. Conditions by then had stabilised in Africa. The Gaullists had won the Gabon in October, rounding out French equatorial Africa, but they were unable to make any headway in West Africa. I mean, this, this goes on and on and fucking on. They essentially wanted to continue fighting, but now with the Germans, right? Yeah. They yeah. they weren't struck on the Italians, by the way. Oh, they no. would have quite happily fought along with the Germans, including yeah. the use of their navy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now obviously it got to the point where, you know, Britain is saying, look, you know, you you're just going to have to give us your fucking battleships, right? <laughs> or yeah. we're going to have to do something about it yeah now as, as a naval guy i'm guessing you know a bit more about this than i do um, you sunk my battleship yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um a nice little game of battleships um yeah we can't have them uh no one can <laughs> which is funny um but yeah like you said a lot of people thought that fishy france sort of didn't do anything. I mean, the title of your book sort of goes against that to start with, so yeah. that's always fun. <laughs> but yeah, actively trying to fight. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the yeah. bo- bottom line is, right, um, that the French fleet was sufficiently dangerous that we couldn't allow it to fall into the hands of the Germans. Now, the Germans no. had said to the to the Vichy French, "Oh, it's okay. You know, we 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 won't use your battleships." Right? No. But of course they fucking would have. You know, they were under enormous pressure with an insufficient surface uh, fleet themselves. And what are you going to do? If you've got ambitions in the Mediterranean to control that, to to capture the oil fields, because let's be fair, they didn't have oil, right? No. To be able to control the Panama Canal, not the Panama Canal, I'm sorry, the Suez Canal, no, right? Suez, yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to use that <laughs> fucking navy. You know? Of course. 
And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was fairly apparent very quickly that although the Italians had some capable men and machinery, they didn't have capable commanders. Uh, and therefore, no. you just couldn't rely on them at all. In fact, Hitler had to dig no. them out several times. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the French, you know, they were a highly trained fighting force with very up-to-date machinery. Now, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They were a formidable force. They were top of the top at the time. So you bear in mind now that the, you know, the French, the the Vichy French have said, yeah, you know, we ought to, you know, join forces, us and you yeah. germs. You know, <laughs> uh, what do you reckon? Christ. <laughs> they're going to do it. Of course they're going to fucking do yeah, it. Absolutely. I do believe we tried to negotiate a little bit Yeah. to try and get them. Uh, that didn't work. Um, what was it? Operation Catapult? I think it was called. The actual getting the ships and yeah. getting rid of them. Um, I remember doing a little bit about that. But yeah, essentially, you can't have them, we can't have them, we'll get rid of them. <laughs> so, you know, we had to destroy their ships. The bottom line is that we gave them fair warning, you know. Oh, absolutely, we did. You, absolutely. You surrender your ships, good. you yeah. surrender your ships and your crew to us, or we will destroy them. By the way, yeah. we're on the way, right? So yeah. if you want oh, to get yeah. your boys off the ships, now's yeah. as good a time as any, right? Yeah. No. And if we do capture your, capture your boys, we return them in a, and look after them, you know, in a nice exactly. roundabout way. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that didn't work. <laughs> no, because they probably thought, ah, oh, fuck them. We, they're, we, not we can... they're going to come down here for a couple of ships. Yeah, they think they are. <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. give them a fucking kick in. Well, didn't work out, did it? Right? No. A, lo- no, a lot of a lot of French sailors were killed. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And it can only be because they refused to evacuate those ships or hand yeah. them over. And you know, I. You have to blame the commanders for that, not the sailors. Not the sailors oh, fault. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it could have been a political thing where they just didn't tell them that that's what was going to happen. So the Vichy France didn't tell them that the British were on their way, but they would have known anyway, the commanders, the naval commanders at the time. Um, but yeah, awful, awful thing to happen. But what it did and, as well, right, is it stiffened yeah. the resolve of the Vichy French to side with the Germans. Yes. Right? And uh, that is, you know, it's fucking inexcusable. Yeah. But this this is where I'm drawing my conclusion as to whose fault it was that the war went on, on as long as it did. Right. If they'd, ha- if they'd evacuated their fleet and their aircraft and their tanks, you name it, all the military personnel, to North Africa, yeah. Rommel wouldn't have stood a chance. Not a fucking chance. You'd have had all those oh, French there. Right? Yeah. You'd have had, uh, I mean, the Italians, I mean, you know, they weren't really yeah. a, a significant problem in Africa. Okay? No. 
No, so, they were there, but they didn't, yeah. They were there. Not the Italian troops' fault, the commander's fault. No. Yeah. Incompetent commanders. I mean, an incompetent yeah. dictator. But so there you are. You've got um, the Germans essentially on their own, and they would have, they would not have been able to fight against the British and the French combined. No. Uh, but unfortunately, the French didn't do that. No, of course not. <laughs> the Germans only had synthetic fuels, right? Now, they had been yeah. making synthetic fuels for a very long time prior to the war. And they were right. making it from um, ground-up coal. Uh, but, oh, okay, yeah. But, you know, you it's a, a really labour-intensive process and a little bit um, finite, difficult to do. Yeah. You know, you've got to have huge storage facilities for that. Easiest thing for them would be to capture um, oil fields, which would deny yeah. that oil to the British. They, yeah, they wanted to march through Egypt and into, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iran, where all the oil fields are. Yeah. If they could have done that, they probably would have ended up linking up with the Turks, you know, even though the Turks wanted probably. to be neutral. Yeah. They they had Greece, they had Italy, you know, they, they did capture Crete through our incompetence. Yes. The Mediterranean yeah. would have been gone. Africa, yeah. gone, and all that. Yep. And it nearly fucking was. Because <laughs> the French didn't do what they should have done and instead yeah. turned on us with the Vichy French, right? And, yeah. you know, continued to fight against us for a very long time in various parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Now, I can't help but feeling that if the French hadn't been so fucking incompetent, they could have stopped the Germans in their tracks Yeah. at the outset of the invasion of France. Yeah, yeah. Right? They'd had radio sets in their tanks. Yeah. If they'd had a better refueling system, if they'd yeah. carpet bombed all those vehicles in the Ardennes, that would have been it. Game over. Yeah. All of a sudden, almost all of Europe is in the hands of the Germans. <laughs> you know, okay, you've got Luxembourg holding out. You know, Switzerland. Good on them. Spain is oh, Spain yeah. is neutral, but it's effectively friend of Germany. You know. Yeah, and all, all the gold is in Switzerland, and all the chocolate as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two very important things. Absolutely. You know, um, you could argue that Finland maybe should take a little bit of the blame because, well, I mean, it depends on whose side you're on, right? If you say. If you were to allow the Germans to win the war, right? Yeah. Then you could argue that you see the Germans drove up through, um, you know, uh, sort of Holland, Denmark, and then over uh, to yeah. Norway, and and they, you know, they had helped the Finns against the Russians when yeah. Russia had declared war on Finland. They thought the Finns would 
help them out in return. And the Finns were like, no, no, we're not going to do that. You're fucking daft. You know, we don't want to return the favour. No. Um, That's a good point there. Maybe, maybe if we hadn't supplied the Russians, it would have been game over much earlier. The yeah. Germans win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could have been. But no, Jesus. you know, mm. but I, I, I think just if we'd done those few things, if the, not us, the French, if the French yeah. had had a better organization of the military and if they'd carpet bombed everything in the Ardennes, the war would have ended there because the, the Germans couldn't fight long attritional battles. And that is essentially why the Russians eventually ground them down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that descended very much into trench warfare in places with the Germans being in trenches. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. Uh, yeah. So my personal conclusion is the French are entirely to blame for it going on as long right. as it did. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I understand that point. I do understand that point. I've rewritten yeah. history there, mate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sort of with you on that, or maybe sort of a bit of everyone as well in total. But yeah. No, I, I understand your point there. I mean, a lot of bad decisions were made, or and there was a Badly. Oh, I know. With hindsight, we could be yeah. blaming everyone for anything, couldn't we? Of course, we could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when you when you realise the scale of the French stupidity, yeah. military stupidity. I mean, the French thought they were, you know, if they go to war against Germany again, it's it's going to be in the trenches, right? Like yeah. The First World War. You know that is really stupid. Okay, things move on. Yeah. And rapidly. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a massive amount of stupidity there. There's it, everything has been mechanized by that way beyond, way before that point. Yeah. <laughs> there is the you know failure to uh, pay attention to, um, you know, the spy in the sky stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the the French had been in Germany, occupying parts of Germany. You know, right, almost up until the nineteen thirties. You know, they knew what the Germans yeah. were up to because if they didn't have spies spying on the Germans, that's another sign of incompetence. You know, and then yeah, and then you get this act of absolute betrayal with Vichy France. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, it was French are to blame. Ugh. Absolutely to blame. And and uh, yeah. I I do hope no, none of the French are listening to this because I love France and I really love going there on my holidays, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> but they are to blame, you know. They are to blame. So there you go. I rest my case. Oh. It's a very good case. It is a very good case. Is is there any anything that you think you know? Uh, is there anything else you might be thinking of that may have kept it going longer? Not on the European side, myself. 
But no, with sort of France buggering everything up from the start, and fishy France buggering everything up as it was going on, um, that's a very strong point. That is a very strong point. Well, the thing is, you see, you've got to bear in mind, you know, I, I told you about all those um, French territories, if you like, the French Empire in Africa. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, that's German. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it is. Huge tracts of land yeah. threatening British Empire. You know, yeah. That's, that's surely, that's just gross incompetence on behalf of the French. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. It really has. No, uh, you make a very good point. You make an ex- excellent point, really. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to um, belittle what went on in in the Far East, the Pacific, and all that. What the Americans no, that... ha- had to do. Yeah. But you know, the main protagonist in the Second World War was Germany. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Japanese. We. 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 You know the British Empire. Yeah. We we had to actually just abandon that in in the Far East. Yeah, because yeah. that was sort of like a second conflict going on at the same time. Yes. In my eyes, sort of. Yes, yeah. it was. But if you can imagine, for example, if the French had stopped the Germans, and I mean, do you, do you know the French actually invaded Germany, right, it, during the the phony war? Right, and then yeah. sort of went. Oh well, there's nothing happening. They're not even fighting back, and then just <laughs> left again. They just yeah. fucking went home, <laughs> right? Oh, if they combined, you know, their sort of intelligence with, you know, their military machine, and had the same kind of setup with. You know, communication setup the Germans had, they could have just marched, you know, just driven into Germany and yeah. nipped that in the bud. Yeah. Now the very fact that they didn't, and and they left us standing on our own, meant that we had to abandon our empire in the uh, Far East, right? Yeah. And that means the Japanese can move in. And then they become a threat to the Americans, right? It's all down to fucking France. If 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 they nipped the Germans in the bud, we could have defended what we had in the Far East. The Japanese couldn't have encroached on it, island hopping, right? Grabbing territory and raw materials. And they wouldn't have been able to attack America like that. No. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the French, I'm telling you. Oh, bloody hell. All right, yeah. No, you, you, you've got me on that. Yeah, you uh, really have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely couldn't put forward a case for any, any other nation being to blame for this um, in the same way that I have done with France. But... No, not to that extent. Nowhere near to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Viva la France. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Viva la compagnie. 
Yeah. Oh god. Anyway, there we go. We've we've, we've sorted out another historical problem there. And, we have. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that should probably about be about the end of it for this episode. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to um, sort out another world problem or something for the next show. Oh, I'll think of something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you can see, I have too much time on my hands. Anyway. Oh, well, I'm here with my bowed back, my COVID every other day. I've, I've got things to do. Exactly. exactly. You're lucky, <laughs> to have su- lucky to have survived that, mate. You know. Well, I could try blaming it on the French, I suppose. Well, I mean, look, let's be realistic, right? It had to have come through France. Yeah. Hang on now. Hang on. Before we go. Yeah. Before we go. Let me check something. So, I'm not going to go into... Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, into something that happened to me to cause my back injury. Yeah. Technically could be attributed to a bit of French mechanic. Um, to do with bottled butane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. They they're to blame for everything, really. There, there you are. <laughs> there you are. And 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 I can I can tell you now that I'm pretty sure that COVID came into the country via France, right? Okay. I'm I'm sure of it. Yeah. You know. So. Um, um, yeah, the French should have blamed for everything, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I yeah, you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, COVID even sounds like a French word. So yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blasted Frenchies, you know. But they're not Nazi cunts. That's the main thing. They're not. They're not. They're definitely not. And Nazi uh, they do have some good um, qualities. Um, they do. They I'm do. Trying to think of one. Um, uh, baguettes. They're nice. Um, nice Toulouse sausages. Very nice. Haven't had those. Um, Very nice. I, you'd like those. Wine. Definitely wine. Good. I don't really like wine. So I'm not a big fan of wine either. No. Um no. Yeah. No. Um, uh, is there anything else well, French that's worth keeping them independent for? Nuclear power. <laughs> Pretty sure they didn't invent that. Oh, well. No, but they've got they know what they're doing with it to a certain extent. No. I'm kidding. I, I, I love France. I absolutely adore the country and I'd move there if I could. Oh, it's a lovely country. Yeah, but they are yeah? they are to blame for the war going they on too long. Well so, when you move over there you can tell them yourself. I mate. will. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go and reorganise their, their military, I think, you know. And uh you know, put a few things right. Yeah. They they need a, a tactical genius like me that's what they absolutely. need absolutely you know absolutely mate yeah all right mate. you'll sort them out i you'll will sort them out. well we'll leave it there for this episode thank you very much everybody for listening uh and if you are listening from france uh 
yeah. Bonjour. Bonjour. Bonsoir. Uh, yeah, and uh, never forget Battle of Agincourt. We won that one as well. Oh. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Let every good fellow now fill up his glass. Viva la company. We'll drink to each other while memories pass. Viva la company. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la more, viva la more. Viva la company. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la more, viva la more. Viva la company. We're all together for only a while. Viva la company. Sharing a laugh, a joke, and a smile. Viva la company. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la more, viva la more. Viva la company. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la, viva la, viva la, viva la company. It's time to leave and to say goodbye. Viva la company. You'll find a tear in every eye. Viva la company. Viva la, viva la, viva la more. Viva la, viva la.